is from the Gospel of Matthew. It's uh, typical on the second Sunday of Advent to have a reading from one of the Gospels featuring John the Baptizer. And here we are. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, therefore go bear fruit worthy of repentance. Don't presume to say to yourselves, we've got Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. And I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing forks in hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, will gather his wheat into the granary, but the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, open our ears that we would hear the gospel, our eyes that we would see Jesus, that we would feel Jesus' welcome and uncompromising and tireless love for each of us and our world and our city of Chicago. In Jesus' name, amen. John the baptizer was born into a priestly family on both sides, mother and father. Born into a priestly family. A family comfortable in the temple and the synagogues, but John adopts, let's say, an interesting dress style (laughs) and interesting food preferences. By the way, dressing like that and eating like that not only uh, identified John the Baptist with the prophets of the Old Testament, it also identified him with the poor with the poor and the outsiders. So he adopts this, uh, this way of being, so to speak, this way of living, and he takes his ministry not to the halls of power, certainly not to the temple of Jerusalem, but he takes his ministry of renewal and repentance out into the country, out by the Jordan River. Now that image would not have been lost on Matthew's readers. The temple in many ways, the halls of power in Israel in those days, had become corrupt. 
They propped up the elite at the expense of the poor. And the Jordan, well, that was the place where God originally met with Israel so many generations ago to give them a new start, a fresh start, to usher in times of renewal and times of refreshing. So John going out in the country, John going to the Jordan, and importantly where he did not go to start his ministry, all signals to us that John is going to work, so to speak. He's going to work, he's going to work scratch, right? Fresh start, everything's from scratch. What will people think? What will people think? Will anybody come? Well, <laughs> a lot of people came. So many people came, in fact, that uh, those in charge of the halls of power were a little bit alarmed, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they go out to see what John is doing. And John said, who warned you to come, that you should come? You know, I know why you're here. It wasn't probably out of sincere motives, although probably some of them discovered the joy, perhaps, of repentance and being renewed while they were there. But John warns them and says, don't presume that just because you have a bloodline that goes back to Abraham that you're going to be okay. God wants you to change your heart and to follow God each generation, right? Anew and, 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 and refreshed. So many people came. Why? I mean, you know, no social media, right? No, uh, no news truck with the, with the flashing lights and the portable lighting equipment and the satellite relay. None of that. But word got out. Word got out. You know, one has to imagine that word got out that something authentic was going on. Something with authority was happening. Authenticity and authority speak for themselves. They don't need to be propped up by anything. I've used this illustration before, so um, if you've heard it before, don't think that I don't remember that I've used it before. <laughs> I'm not quite that old yet. Um, but it's a good illustration, uh, I think. You know, our musicians, I wish they were here to hear this, but, you know, when Molly sings leading us to communion or, or marking out uh, a hymn for us to follow her voice. When Ben strums a well-timed chord on the guitar, Artie, when he has his saxophone, his first instrument of choice and blows the first note on it. Tim, when he so subtly hits his percussion instruments, so authentic. You don't notice it because it's so authentic. And it's in its own way, authoritative. It speaks for itself. And that's what John's preaching must have been like. It must have felt authentic. It spoke for itself. His presence and his words must have made people feel in their bones that he was the authentic, real deal, like a prophet of the Old Testament, like Amos or Jeremiah or Isaiah. So they listened to his voice 
as one, calling them to renewed faith in God. They were, and I ask you to remember this phrase and think about to what extent it's true of you as I will promise to do the same. They were hungry for a voice that could put them in touch with God in a refreshing way. Are we, this time of Advent always calls us to reflect in ways like this. Are we hungry for that voice? Or so much going on in our lives that we can't even think about whether we're hungry for that voice or not. But to be in touch with God in a new way, well, that does require repentance. What does repentance look like? Well, repentance is not making promises to God that you will be a better person. Repentance means asking God to help you turn away from any pattern of thinking, any pattern of feeling, any pattern of doing that might stand in the way of God making you more like Jesus. Now, those things that we need to repent of, that, that's different for each and every one of us here this morning. But Basically, that's what it's all about. It means asking God to put us in a posture where we can welcome even those agricultural images that, that Matthew relays to us that were part of John's message. Uh, those images of, um, of the farmers doing their work, the refining work. On the face, those images seem scary, but... But I'm pretty sure if you think about it carefully within the whole context of the gospel message, those images in this passage in front of us, they're images of hope because they're images of Jesus' refining love at work. And Jesus' refining love at work, it's not an attaboy love ya rubber stamp on <laughs> how we're living our life, Right? It's not, hey, it's all good, don't worry about it. Nope. Jesus will not let us live whatever way we want to live, and thanks be to God for that. Jesus' refining love doesn't rubber stamp our lifestyles that we adopt from our culture in kind of thoughtless ways. Rather, Jesus' refining love is like a farmer that goes through her orchard and chops down the dying trees in order to have room for healthy growth. And Jesus' relentless love is like the farmer who vigorously throws his feet up in the air over and over again until the good wheat is separated from the chaff. When Jesus, um, I'm sorry, rather, when John came on the scene, he was preparing the way for Jesus and the dawning of Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of God. When he preached his message of repentance, he preached it to Israel, which is a whole people group, right? 
And he probably had in mind, though he wouldn't have had the same word for it, the need for systemic change, so to speak. Like if he had had a news feed like we have news feeds, and he knew what was going on, he didn't need one, uh, he would be like us. We wake up in the morning, we read the newspaper, and we put our hand to our head, and we say, Ah! What is going on in this world? The poor are not being well cared for. Selfishness rules the day. Violence is way too common. He knew all that. And he does, I'm sure, throw his hands up in the air and go, ah, right? And as the last of the Old Testament prophets, he calls the whole nation to repentance. But notwithstanding all of that, he baptizes people. One person, soul, heart at a time. One pattern of thinking, one pattern of feeling, one pattern of being at a time. Very individual. People came saying, we've had enough of what is on offer and readily available. We need a fresh start. I was listening to, uh, you know, our, our local rock station, WXRT, not long ago. And I know I shared this too, so I, you probably weren't here when I did. So um, we, <laughs> I used to kick out. There's one DJ in particular that he went to a Christian college, and he obviously thinks scripturally about things because he sneaks stuff in, you know, um, like one time he, he had a love ballad and he said, it's not noisy, like a clanging cymbal, it's love. <laughs> so he sneaks these things in once in a while. I just get a kick out of it. I'm a theology nerd, what do you expect? But one time he's doing a song that's theme is love and he says, here's a song about love. Let's do that. We've tried everything else. <laughs> well, that's, in a sense, that's what's going on at John's baptism. People are coming and they... Why do you think people are going out in droves? Because it's so bad that people realize that if anything's going to happen that's good, it's going to be a new start. It's going to be God doing something extraordinary and not in the typical way. And in this sense, this is John making way for Jesus and Jesus' coming kingdom. Good to remember those things on the second Sunday of Advent when we light the candle of peace, or rather when the Bartzes lit the candle of peace this morning. We lit the candle of peace. And it's an audacious move, right? Um, to light the candle of peace in Chicago, or anywhere for that matter. In the midst of a city where children are routinely shot and often die from their wounds. And in a world that's bent on violence everywhere. It would be easy to become cynical and apathetic over time. But as followers of Jesus, we are summoned to the Jordan. To go out and meet John. To be baptized one by one. 
thus saying that we will use by God's help the whole of our lives and resources to align with the coming of Jesus' kingdom. Will you and I take advantage of this moment today to ask God's Spirit to enable us to be present with John at the Jordan, to enable us to confess what is true, really, of each of us deep down inside. We're exhausted by what is on offer in the world. And we want God to work anew in our individual lives and the world. May God give us the resolve to ask just that, so that as Paul said to the church at Rome, aspirationally, so that we may live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together we may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.